I want to ask you, what has Satan got you caught with? What has he trapped you with? You may say, I don't have anything. I'm living in a shelter right now. I'm, I'm not caught with anything. But what is it? You know that thing, that thing that Satan can bring up and twist you with all the time? You know that thing? Sometimes it's money. The lack of, the dream of the money. Sometimes it's a person. I realized when I was doing this, you know, when preachers preach, they have to preach it to themselves first before they can come in front of you. So God had me deal with some things. It's one of my unspoken requests, prayer requests. Mine has been a guy, a guy that I dearly love. We broke up several months ago, and I'm still going, God, you took him from me. And my hand is clasped shut. You see, when our hands clasp shut, we can't get it out either. So it doesn't even have to be a real thing. It can be a dream of something. It can be anger. What is it that's got your hands like this? You ever try to receive money or anything with your hands closed and a fist? Give me that pen. See if I can, you know. Oh, you know, my hands are closed. I can't grab that. I have to open my hands to get it. When we open our hands to God, and we say, okay, you take whatever this is, whatever that's been that you've been holding, when you go, okay, God, gives me chills just thinking about it. When you say, okay, God, then your hands are empty, and he can now give to you. about that. Think about what is it in your life that you've been holding on to. Now I am going to talk about tithing. But I wanted to tie in with all the stuff that we have. Did you know that um, there's actually a list of the gifts of the Spirit um, when she was talking about uh, gifts that God has given you. God has given each of us as Christians an ability now, sometimes they're hidden deep down inside, and you're like, oh, I don't know what my ability is. Trust me, I've been there. I was like, God, I, I joined the Salvation Army that's known for singing, playing instruments, going all over the world, and I have tried to learn another language. I can't. I have tried to play an instrument. I can't. It's like a foreign language to me. You know, I, I just, my mind does not grasp it. I can't. Singing? I can make noise, a joyful noise for the Lord, but they don't want that in their choirs. You know? <laughs> I was like, God, why are you calling me to the Salvation Army? I can't do anything. Here's what some of the gifts of the Spirit are. Some of them will surprise you. Administration. I happen to know this one right here is gifted with administration. Um, apostleship. Discernment. Discernment. Do you know Solomon? That one of our tribute questions. I don't know. Um, one of the uh, one of the the wisest king. You know why? Because all he asked God for, all that he asked God for, was wisdom. And God said, because you have asked for wisdom and have not been greedy, 
I'm going to give it all to you. And he gave him the kingdom. He gave him all the money, the wealth, the, he was a king. He gave, he gave him everything because all he asked for was wisdom. He was humble enough that he said, I don't want all that. Just give me wisdom, Lord. Give me wisdom. He left his hands open. Master that. So discernment is uh, when you're, uh, you have wisdom, you're uh, smart enough to know, read between the lines of what somebody's saying, or the spirit tells you this person is lying to you, or this deal isn't correct. Discernment. You can discern between what's right and wrong and things. Okay, that's discernment. Um, evangelism. Can you go out and tell people about Christ? Some people think that's a very daunting thing. I can never tell anybody about Christ. Um, other people are like, yeah, I just go tell people my story and tell them how much I love Jesus, and then Jesus, you know, then they want to know more. And I just start talking, and 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 they get all excited. Well, that person that does it that way says, well, that person has the gift of evangelism. Um, the one who says, oh no, that you know, no, then that person doesn't. That's you know, you're not going to have all of them, but you're going to have at least one. God will grow even more in you, and you'll have more than one. Exhortation. Exhortation. Um, that would be uh, being able to take what's written in the Bible and be able to talk about it clearly, to be able to um, yeah, translate it, extend on it. To yeah, uh, definitely. I don't have that because I can't think of a word to pour out. To pour out. Yeah, um, to make it simple for somebody to understand or you know things like that. Okay, faith. Faith is a spiritual gift. Anybody got faith? You have faith in them? Yeah, we have faith. But do we have faith enough to move them out? Just a mustard seed is what the Bible says. Okay, giving, that's a spiritual gift. I, I have, there's another thing called five love languages, ways we say love. Well, one of my love languages is giving. I love to give gifts. I love to receive gifts, but I love to give gifts too. And so um, gift giving, and that serves also. Um, <laughs> um, giving um, is a spiritual gift. Uh, healing, to be able to heal something, someone. There are still people out there who have the gift of healing. I think it's not as prevalent out there today because people don't receive it. People are like, man, you know, they, 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 don't, believe it. they don't believe in miracles anymore, you know? Um, speaking in tongues along with, this is a double one. Speaking in tongues, but interpreting tongues. Anytime somebody speaks in tongues, which is the Holy Spirit coming on them and talking, and, and there's always got to be an interpreter or it's not real. Because the Holy Spirit will always assign, if, they, if the Holy Spirit comes on you and gives you the gift of speaking in tongues, he's going to come on her or whoever's with you to, to uh, interpret the tongues so that people know what it is. Um, gift of knowledge, leadership, mercy, miracles, pastoring and shepherding, prophecy, serving, the gift of serving, serving others, you know, um, ministering, teaching, wisdom. Those are the gifts of the Spirit that can come on you. Now, I saw people shaking their head, oh, yeah, I can do that, I can do that. You know, it may be small, but even if it's, I first learned that I had the gift of teaching when I started talking with, teaching little kids. They stuck me in a nursery, and I didn't know that they did. I, I thought everybody in church knew 
Bible stories. So I was a new Christian, and I was trying to pray and learn the Bible stories. So they put me in the nursery, and I'm teaching kids who can't even talk the Bible stories and really giving it all to them, <laughs> trying to teach it to them, because uh, I, I thought I had to catch up. I, was, I didn't get saved until I was 21, so I had to catch up. So I was doing all that. So there are all sorts of gifts that we have and we need to use, and when we use it, that's worshiping God, when we use those things, okay? So all that to say, our giving is also part of our worship to God. Do you know it says 2,000 times? There's 2,000 verses in the Bible that relate to Christians and money. 2,000 times. You know what the only subject that's more than that? The kingdom of God. So I would say that how Christians deal with money is very important to God. You know why? Because it shows what your hands are doing. Because it takes a lot of faith to let God be in charge of your money. I know. I have to cap every once in a while. Stop myself and go, oh, I haven't been trusting him with it. I've been trying to do it on my own. I get comfortable with it and think, okay, I can do this. Or I worry over it. How many of you have ever gotten a single dollar for sitting there worrying? <laughs> they don't pay you for that. They will not pay you to worry. And so we wind up worrying all the time and, and trying to control our money. And God doesn't want us to worry because there's 365 verses that tell us not to worry or be afraid. One for every day of the week. So it, this is important to God. What we do with all through the Old Testament, it talks about the tithe, um, what to bring to the church. Now, the Levites were in charge of the temple, tabernacle in the temple, and, and they had no payment. So they tithe, the people were instructed to tithe their grain offerings, their meat offerings, all that they had, uh, tithe, give 10% of all that they had to the church. And that's how the Levites lived and kept the temple clean and kept the temple going and, you know, how they got their livelihood. So it's giving back to God. Did God need them to do that? Does God need you to go put 10% in the plate? He doesn't need you to do that. He's like the Monopoly man. He's got all of them, you know? Uh, what's the story of the man who was so good that... that um, that uh, Michael came down and said, um, God has said that, uh, has told me to tell you that you're getting ready to die. Um, you're going to go to heaven. But um, because you have been so good and so faithful, you're going to be able to take one thing with you. And so the guy thought and thought and thought and thought about this. And he, he was trying to, so he decided to take all that he had and cash it in for gold bars. And he put gold bars in a, in a suitcase. And so he had a suitcase and he was ready. And then um, the archangel came back down and, and said, okay, you're, you know, we're taking you to heaven now. And he was all excited. And they kept looking at his, at his suitcase. Okay, you know. They're like, well, what you got in there? And he goes, I'll show you later. And so he got up there and he was all excited. And he got up and he saw beautiful heaven. And, and it was just so amazing to him. Just perfect. And uh, he said, okay, I got you up here. What, you know, what is it that you brought? You've been wondering what it is, that one thing that you're going to bring. And he goes, wait for this. 
He opens up his briefcases, the gold bars, and goes, I don't get it. Why'd you bring pavement? <laughs> the streets of gold. Why did you bring pavement? What's important to us down here isn't important up there. We get it wrong here because we listen to those commercials tell us what's important. We gotta have the next and the best and we're nothing if we don't have it. You know, my kids, how many kids with the phone? You gotta have the next and the best and you're nothing if you don't have it. Now they're old enough and I can say, well, if you want that iPhone 10, you pay for it. And all of a sudden it's seven is good enough. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, but you know how it is. We, we think we got to have these things, and we get depressed and down and feel so horrible about ourselves because we can't have what the TV's telling us we're supposed to have. And it probably wasn't even our own TV to do it on. Not right now, I don't have a TV of my own. So, <laughs> you know, and I'm looking at this TV going, oh, yeah, I need a better TV. I need one that has... All a smart this. TV and has all that stuff in it. That would work great. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out how I can save up money to have this smart TV. Do I need it? No. No. Yeah, you know, the one time I did buy a really large TV, it was right when the thin ones first started coming out, and I said, you know what, I deserve this, and I'm going to get this big, huge TV, and I couldn't wait. I bought it and spent all, I mean, I spent a lot of money on this I get moved, because the Salvation Army moves you every three to four years. I get moved. I've had the TV for one year, almost, to the day that I had to move. While I moved, I put it in a pod. Um, the new storage containers that they have that go to your spots. I put it in a pod. I get all my stuff moved into the new house, and it took a while to get everything together. Cable guy finally came, so I'm good. Put, hooking up my TV. It's all cracked inside. It doesn't. It looks perfect on the outside, but my TV has been destroyed. I didn't put that TV on my renter's insurance, so that TV's just trash. I said I will never spend money on another TV. I was so mad at myself. My kids have TVs, but I don't have a TV of my own. And uh, yeah, um, that was a waste of money. That was a waste of money. Yeah, you know? What about? Yeah, yeah. What about, talk about stealing. Let's read Malachi 3. Malachi is right before the New Testament. So a lot of Bibles automatically turn to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So <laughs> Malachi is right before that. It's a small book, so it's hard to find. Oh, yeah. It's only got three chapters. Malachi 3. Behold, I sent my messenger, and he will prepare a way before me. And the Lord, whom you seek, will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant, in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But 
who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? We're going to go all the way down and skip down. Da, da, da. Um, I just wanted to get you started with it. Um, chapter 5. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be swift witness, a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress and hire the hired work, worker of his wages, the widow, the fatherless, against those who thrust aside the soldier and do not and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. The next section is called Robbing God. If you have, if it has a little topic on top of it, mine says Robbing God. Verse 6. For the Lord, for I the Lord do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. Sorry, I lost my place. Are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from the statutes and have, from my statutes, and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall I, shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions, you are cursed with a curse. For you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test. This is one of the only times God says to test him. Because it, you know, it tells you not to put your fleece before swine. It tells you um, we're told not to, not to test God. But in this one thing, we are told to test God. Put him to the test about our tithe. Uh, where did it go? I lost my spot. Uh, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that I will not destroy the fruits of your spoil, of your soil, sorry, and your vine in the field shall not, not fail to bear says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. What does that mean? When we don't tithe, what God has told us to tithe, we're robbing God. When, and it's, he tells us that, go ahead, put him to the test, Give him some time. Give your tithe and watch him grow it. Remember, heaven has everything that we need. He can definitely pour it down on you. And he says he will destroy the devourer, Satan, the devourer. You know, that 
thing that comes and munches up your money so that you don't have money to pay the bills. <laughs> the frivolous things that you started spending money on and, and thought you had to have, and then all of a sudden you don't have the money you need to do something. The devourer. The devourer has been whispering in your ear, telling you you need these things. The devourer has been whispering in your ear. You want money later. Don't worry about it. You want this. You want it. Come on. You might as well just be that, you know, like the cartoons, a little devil on one side. And, you know? <laughs> yeah. Listen to this guy too much. You know? Let's flick him off and, and let's, let's listen to God. Let's listen to what we truly need to be listening to. He tells us that if we give our tithe, he will bless us. Back in those days, it was about their, their, uh, their land, their, their fruit, their grain. And so that's what he was giving them. I'm going to do it on time. Okay. Um, he, you remember the story of the rich young ruler? Mark 10, 17. Just a few chapters over, or two books over. Mark 10, 17. Uh, this was a rich young guy who came to uh, God. He had everything. He said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? Uh, no one is good except God alone. So he's saying, ah, you're recognizing that I am God. Um, okay, and then he says, you know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adult, uh, adultery. Um, do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to, to Jesus, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus looked at him. Remember, Jesus has the ultimate discernment. He knows what's going on in his heart. But it says Jesus loved him. Love that part. Jesus loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Now go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by, by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now the eye of the needle, we're thinking of a real needle. There is a gate in Jerusalem um, that is made, they have big gates, big doors that open up where you can bring your animals through to get into Jerusalem. But then on the sides, they have smaller doors for just walking through. And when I say smaller doors, they're not even our size doors. They are small, you're like, don't you have to get through this door? You know, I, I had trouble. But they're small little doors and, um, uh, that they have for, for just the people to walk through. Um, he's saying it's hard, and one of the doors is called the Eye of the Needle um, in Jerusalem. It's actually the name of the door. And he's saying that for 
for a rich person, for a person with lots of possessions. They would have to get off their camel, take off all their possessions, send the camel through, and then carry their possessions one by one to get them in, if the camel was able to fit through, which the camel would have to get down on his knees and, you know, fall through. The possessions become a burden that he's not able to get through the eye of the needle. If he got down off his camel and left all that, he can make it through just fine. But he's got these going on. He's holding on tight to the things he wants, that he loves, and he's not leaving his hands open for God to give out to him, to pour out to him. Okay? You following me so far with all this? How about the parable of the talents? Matthew 25, so back one more, back towards Malachi. Matthew 25, 14.
I knew that you are a hard man, uh, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have scattered no seed. So I was afraid. I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown, sowed and gathered where I scatter no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So that the talent from uh, from him, and he took the talent from him and gave it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has will, or to everyone who has will more to give, who has will more more to give, and he will have an abundance. But for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In the place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now I know I'm talking to, to a group of people who have been down in hard times. So I was like, how do I talk to Ty about tithing to people that are having to stay in a shelter right now? You are at a low point. But what do I tell you? Tell the ladies when I go in there all the time? This is not forever. This is not forever. God has plans for you. It tells us in Jeremiah 29, 11, where I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper. Okay? He has plans for you. Are you coming to him like this going, God, I have nothing right now. I have nothing to give. Or are you coming to him going, God, here's, here's all of me. Here's all of me. And let him give you the blessings. You don't have a penny to your name right now. Then you don't have a penny to put in here. Or a tenth of a penny to put in here. You have a dollar to your name, you have a penny to put in here. If, but it's not just about that. Your time, your abilities, what we call talents these days, uh, your service, your worship. What are you coming to God with? I'd be willing to bet if you just opened up your hands and just said, you know what, all these things here on earth, Put it this way, when I came to the Lord, when I came to the Lord at 21, the night before, I was out of the party, drinking, carrying on, and I was driving home, and I was about to commit suicide. I was on my way driving to a bridge to drive off. And just before I got to that bridge, I stopped and I cried. And I cried out to God. And I said, okay. I was just going to drive off that bridge, so my life is over. 
God, take it all. Do what you want to do with this life. It's all yours, God. I won't drive off that bridge, but I'm dying to myself right now. And I'm living for Christ. Does that mean that I've lived my life perfectly since then? <laughs> no. <laughs> I've messed, made mistakes, and I just told you about that thing that I was holding on to in this box, right? I just told you how Satan had captured me with a guy. No guy is worth my eternal salvation. No guy is worth any of it. But boy, I've been holding on to him so hard because I just knew this was the guy God had for me. And I was in love with him. let go, that's when I can take my hand out of the box and Satan doesn't have me anymore. So there's going to be times in your life you're going to realize okay, I did it on this day uh, November 12th. I, I gave it to him. And then maybe November 13th you're going to go what's happened? I'm closing myself up again. I'm holding on to things. And you're going to have to pry your fingers open and say, okay God, and I had to do it daily sometimes. Give your all to him. He was so worth it. He is so worth it. He can handle all of your problems. He knows you don't have a place to live right now. He's got a plan. He knows you don't have money right now. He's got a plan. He knows you're lonely. He's got a plan. Are you willing to trust in him for that plan? Amen. We're going to have a time to come and give it to God. If you have tithe, if you're able to, then go ahead and put it in the plate. Money's tight. This is my week, by week, so I don't get paid till next week. I wrote this one on faith. But what about the things that you do have? Come down here and give it all to Him. Give Him your life. Give it for your whatever talent you have. Is your talent service? Is your talent helping others? Is your talent singing? Is your talent musical instruments? Is your talent teaching? Is your talent giving? Is your talent whatever your talent is that God has for you? Are you willing to give it to Him? This is your chance to open those hands. Let's pray. My most gracious Heavenly Father, you are so good to us. But sometimes we get so burdened with the problems that we have that we forget how good you are. Help us, Lord, to see the things that we're holding on to. There's something in our life that we're holding on to. Help us to give it to you. Hear us now as we pray.
hold on to aren't even things that we have, but things that have been done to us. We deserve the hurt for that. They did that to us. We deserve to have these skeletons in our closet that stuff we did in the past. And we hold on to those things, and those are still things that are clasping our hand. We're just like that monkey. Let's capture it. Because it's what's keeping our hands closed. God wants to take that stuff too. He wants the burdens too. He wants the things that people have done to you in the past. The names you've been called, the, the, the times you've been torn down. He wants to take all that. He doesn't want you to be captive. It doesn't make sense in the economy of the world that when we give our all, we're richer than we were. But it makes sense in heaven, just like that guy who took that briefcase in the story, that I took the suitcase of uh, pavement, the blocks of gold. The economy's different in heaven. I challenge you to save up Save up the good things that you do for others. Those will be given to you. Don't you want to hear, well done, by good and faithful servant? God knows that's what I want to hear. I can't wait until I get up there and I hear that. But he's not going to say that when I'm holding on things here on earth. It's when I let go and I invest. I invest in people because God loves everyone. So when we invest in others with our time, our abilities, when we invest in others, we're storing up treasures in heaven where it's really going to count. Now, if I had a rope, I saw a guy do this one time, and he had this big, long rope. And the rope went, he had a big church, and it went down, out the back door. Long rope. And he had a take-off section like this. Taped at the end, right? said, this is a hundred years if this rope stands for eternity. A hundred years. Most of you won't even live a hundred years. <laughs> that is life. So when you're holding on to things here, or even when things are bad here, this is what I tell myself. When, it, when it's bad here, I go, okay, this is for a little while. Because my eternity is much longer. I can get through a little while because there's going to be great things. Don't be like that bad servant that was lazy and did nothing with the talent he was given. That's why he was a bad servant. It says that he was sent to where there was wailing and gnashing of teeth. He was sent to hell. But if we store up in heaven, we'll be there. Jesus is the way. God bless you, and I hope you all have a wonderful day. God will bless you for the uh, time that you've spent with him and worshiping him. Worship him in your day by doing good during the day, by helping others. That's worshiping God. Amen. Our singing is worship, yes, Amen. and God loves singing. But when we're doing good throughout our day, that's worshiping God. So share Christ with others in a smile. That's for God. In a, in a pat on the back, that's for God. Maybe somebody needs 
a bit of toothpaste that morning. You gave him a bit of toothpaste. You did that for God. It says to work in our labors as if we were doing it for God. So if my job is digging ditches, I dig ditches for God. If my job, I've been in places where I had to scoop up poop. Um, and I did that for God. That was my job, scooping up poop. And I did it. I didn't complain about it because I was doing it for God, not for the man who made me do it. That's when we're doing it for God. That's worshiping God. God bless you.